Uh, I'm here with Corey Yates, co-founder and CEO of Recruiting Analytics. Founded that company with his partner, Alfonso Thurman. You can find Corey at Corey R. Anal- Corey R. A. Analytics on Twitter. Um, Recruiting Analytics, the winner of the ATL Startup Showdown here recently. Uh, so, Corey, congratulations to you on that. I I I think I had to talk to you, Corey, because um, – we at Campus to Ken have a lot of respect for your work and we refer to it as founders, you know. Um, and so our audience, I think, would also gain some perspective from knowing what it is that you do and the information that that we're relying on. Um, for those who don't know, recruiting analytics is is evolutionizing uh, recruiting in the form of tracking um, player athleticism. Can you just right. talk to us a little bit about what the company's doing and, uh, and and how you all are changing the game? Absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. So recruiting analytics, we're essentially a tracking technology company that serves up player tracking data. And that's just a fancy way of saying we have technology that analyzes video to measure athleticism so that coaches can evaluate players more accurately. And the reason why, you know, we're doing what we're doing is because if you think about how players are evaluated at the collegiate, even at the NFL level, it's really been based on three primary tools, right? The the tape measure, the scale and the stopwatch dating all the way back to the early 1900s. And when you think about the game of football, a lot has changed, right? So you think about a 6'4", 235-pound athlete. Well, in the early 1900s, that player was the biggest, slowest player on an NFL team, right? And then you fast forward to today, that same player at 6'4", 235 pounds, like a DK Metcalf, They're some of the fastest, most athletic players on today's NFL team. So that's how much the game has evolved thanks to, you know, advancements in diet, training, science, medicine, et cetera. But what hasn't changed are those three tools that I talked about that are used to measure athleticism, primarily the stopwatch, right? So the combine has started, right? And that stopwatch right now is king or queen, Right. In terms of measuring at at, you know, how athletic a player is. So where we come into play, right, is we're taking everything to the next level because that stopwatch that's being used as a primary tool to use it to measure athleticism, quite frankly, hasn't yielded positive results. When you think about the NFL and NCAA hit rate when it comes to evaluating players, you know, it's it's a well-known fact that, you know, the average hit rate at the NFL level is about 33%. And we know this because over 70% of NFL rookies don't sign a second contract, right? So that tells you what happens during the NFL draft. Teams are spending millions of dollars evaluating these players. And again, they're hitting on about a third of the players that they evaluate. So the beauty of our technology is we're measuring all of the same things that you can measure during the combine. So the 40 yard dash, we have a corresponding metric that measures speed, 
but it's in the context of miles per hour and in the context of a live game, right? A real environment. In the 40, they're measuring change of direction, which we know now in today's game is critically important, particularly for the receiver position in order to gain separation. Well, guess what? In the combine setting, they're measuring things like the shuttle or the three cone to measure how quickly a player can change direction. But with our technology, we can measure change of direction in terms of how quickly a player can get in and out of his break. Um, so those are some of the things that we're able to do. And that's how we're able to derive these scores and then kind of measure how well or project how these players will perform at the next level in terms of their of their ceiling. Just to give our audience a concrete example of how I use your data, I will if specifically for this 2022 recruiting class, I would often put into Twitter a player's name and and along with uh, RA analytics to see if there was a mile per hour um, uh, information that you all had produced. And often we had it. So that's a concrete uh, example of okay. how we would use your information. You mentioned hit rates. And that's a that's a good transition to one of my next questions, because this is a question about you, Corey. Um, you stated that the goal is for is for recruiting analytics to achieve a ninety nine percent hit rate from by the year 2050. Now, I love people yeah. who think big, who think big about things. Where did you get the audacity to <laughs> to to think that way? Uh, so, listen, I mean, again, if you think about there's not many things in life there there aren't any there aren't many industries where 33 percent is good other than right other than the nfl and baseball in terms of hitting percentage and so for with my background i come from corporate america i spent 20 years in corporate america you know doing something at 33 at a 33 percent rate would get you fired um so that's just not in my dna um so our goal as a company, as an organization, is that we're going to challenge ourselves to get and build predictive models that can that can predict these players at that 99. By the way, it's 99.9 percent. That's where we want to be in 2020 and 2050. So our goal is to get there. And listen, there's no reason unless somebody tells me otherwise that based on technology based on predictive analytics that we can't get there. Uh, is it a, is it a, a, you know, is it a challenging goal? Absolutely. Right. But where we are today, uh, our hit rate so far is already hovering at 75 and a half percent. So we're about three times the, the industry average uh, in terms of our hit rate. And as we continue to build our database and as we continue and collect more data on these players, then that that number, that seven and a half and a half percent will continue to increase. Um, so we've got some some work to do. That's what keeps us up at night is making sure that we're continuing to refine our predictive modeling to project these players upside ability. Um, and the next frontier really is going to be beyond the physical abilities. Well, I haven't even touched on the soft skills, but we have. Um, uh, uh, we have a feature called Intangelytics that we're still pressure testing and making sure that we have all the right algorithms. But when we deliver that to market, that Intangelytics functionality to market, it's really going to be a game changer because now we're really talking about the soft skills of players and we're going beyond the, the 
production, the athleticism, and then getting into some of the soft skills. Things tell like, me, tell me what you mean by soft skills. Sure, things like their leadership ability, things like their competitiveness, things like their uh, uh, their drive. So some, these are just some of the things that um, we are working on behind the scenes to be able to deliver and give more insights to these players. Absolutely. And I, I should mention, Corey, that uh, you aren't just jumping into this football game. And you, you are a team captain uh, at Texas A&M University Commerce, a defensive back there. Uh, how has your athletic background informed what it is that you're doing now? Yeah, that's a great question, right? So we're uh, when we get in front of potential customers and when we first started this thing, and uh, we did our soft launch in January of 2020 at AFCA, which is the big coaches convention that takes place every year. And a lot of people were a little intimidated. A lot of coaches, candidly, were a little intimidated when they hear analytics. And now we're talking about analytics in the recruiting space. And the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, are these guys a bunch of data analysts or data scientists? And we're not. That's not my background by nature. Now, we do have folks that have that background, right? Um, otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have some of the models that we that we have. But by nature, uh, I'm a football guy. I'm a football guy first. Grew up playing football. Play, you know, to your point, at the collegiate level, at the Division two level. A little bit too short and too slow to play Division one ball in the NFL. I, I'm right there with you, Grand Valley State University. So there you go. Two. The yeah. D two D two love, right? So. What that allows us to do is, is it allows us to, when we build our models and the, the metrics that we're looking to track, we're looking at it through the lens of both the data scientists as well as as athletes that have played the game. And so we're able to, and it's a perfect marriage because we're able to say, hey, that metric really doesn't mean a hill of beans to, 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 to how well a player is. And I'll give you a good example of that. You know, we had a metric that's called time behind a line of scrimmage or time. No, I'm sorry. It was yeah, average time behind a line of scrimmage. And we were looking at that for the position of running back. And we're like, yeah, I, I get it that I, I understand what you're trying to get at. You're trying to get at how long does that back stay in the, in the backfield before he crosses the line of scrimmage. But what that doesn't, what that doesn't take into account are things like patience Right. So if the time behind the line of scrimmage is long, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It could mean that the back is just exercising good patience before he hits the hole. Um, even stretch play versus an ISO. Right. If it's a stretch play, it's going to take a little bit longer for him to cross the line of scrimmage. So that's just an example of a data that at first blush may feel like, yeah, it makes sense to kind of measure that and, and factor that into our evaluation model. But when you really pressure test it and look at look at it through the lens of a of a player, then, you know, it it adds a lot of context to the to the game itself. So, again, having having myself as well as Alfonso Thurman, my co-founder, he played linebacker the, at the University of Indiana. He, now, he was a Big Ten, all Big Ten guy. So his DNA was a little bit better on, in, in that regard. But, yeah, we're, we're looking at things through the lens of. Of, of former football players that have played at the the highest level at the division one and division two level 
Um, Alfonso also played professionally at the, in the CFL. So we get it. We've also coached as well. Um, so we're, we're looking at it not only through the lens of a former player, but also as a former coach. And so when you blend the technology with the, you know, with the data, with the, with the analysis that we do with, and then combine that with our experience, our playing experience and coaching experience, it makes for a perfect blend. And that's how, that's another reason why we're able to be very accurate with our projections. Everything that we do is looked at through the lens of a former player, as well as a former coach. I promise I'm going to ask you some football questions, but I'm just very interested in your journey from just starting this company and what it is that you're that you're doing. And so for those who are listening, we are going to get to, to, to some 2022 uh, freshman class questions, but I, I still got some some Corey questions. You mentioned a little bit about your background. You spent 14 years uh, as a merchandising executive for one of the biggest um, uh, home improvement companies in the country. How did you make the decision that I'm going to go from that to making this leap to doing something that hasn't been done? Yeah, it's a great question. Basically, combining, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky, right? We're, we're in a space where we're able to um, leverage our passion for football and our business analytics experience. And, and you mentioned before, you know, I've got several years. I don't want to date myself too much, but I've got several years of, of running, you know, multi-billion dollar businesses as a merchandising executive. And when I was in that position, we made decisions based on data, right? And so you think about whether it's a, a college football team or obviously an NFL franchise, they are making this million dollar decisions when they decide to either recruit or draft a player, right? And then you extrapolate that across X number of players, you know, 85 scholarships for a division one organization, you know, 53 player roster or 53 man roster for an NFL organization. You're talking about billions of dollars when you add that up across the number of players and number of teams that decisions are being made. And what I learned was that when my son was being recruited in 2019, the the process for evaluating players had not changed since the early 1900s when I was playing. I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, the, everything has evolved except for how we're recruiting and evaluating players. And so I was privy to some cutting edge computer vision technology when I was in position at Home Depot and said, well, wait a minute, if CV can do this and it can track this from an asset tracking standpoint, could we do this for high school football, college football and the NFL, much like what next-gen stats does. Now, next-gen stats is a different technology, but looking at what was being produced by Zebra Technologies powered by next-gen stats where they're measuring miles per hour, I'm like, holy holy cow. Like, we can do that through computer vision, and we wouldn't need wearable devices and produce the same and more metrics, candidly, than than, than the GPS technologies in terms of the wearable devices. So we weren't sure if it could happen or not. Very tough to do. We we spent six months in 2019 interviewing well over 150 coaches at, at different levels and asked them if they thought this would be value add information. And it's new information. And they said, 
They said, absolutely. So decided to take a leap of faith, leave corporate America and uh, jump in with two feet and, uh, and, and, and really get recruiting analytics off the ground and, and moving forward in terms of disrupting the industry with the technology and the new data that we're able to deliver, not only to teams and, and athletes, but also to fans as well. What's been the best moment since you started the company? Uh, that's a great question. I think the best moment uh, was when we when we decided to um, attend the player personnel symposium in 2019. And so August of 2019. And we again, I talked about the due diligence and interviewing coaches to make sure that we were kind of going down the right path. And that it was worth me leaving a, a you know, a decent paying job um, to get into the startup space. But I had a presentation. I had a mock up of what it was that we were trying to do and and the information that we wanted to deliver to the marketplace uh, via a platform. I had all that in, an, in a PowerPoint presentation and just some just some mock ups of what it would potentially look like. Uh, and. I guess. And, and so I went to the symposium and I was pulling player personnel executives to the side. We, we didn't register to be a vendor there because we didn't have the money or I was being a little bit tight and didn't want to spend the money to, to exhibit. So we didn't have a live product to show. It was just all uh, it was just all um, wireframes. And so I had a conversation with uh, Drew Hughes, who was at the time the director of player personnel for University of Tennessee. And I said, hey, can I get two minutes of your time? I'd like to show you something. And he says, yeah, you know, he's he's kind of going off. It was during the, in the middle of a break. And that two minute conversation turned into a 40 minute conversation. And that 40 minute conversation ended with, well, how quickly can you get on a plane and get to Knoxville? So we, we, I can get you in front of Coach Pruitt to get this thing going. And I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> so I said, I, don't, I didn't mean to like oversell you on this thing. Like this is this is just a concept. Um, you know, we're not, we don't have a product. And he's like, oh, well, if you don't have, well, as soon as you have the product ready, let's talk, right? So I, I immediately hung up the phone and that was the moment. That was the watershed moment for us to to for Alfonso and I to jump in this thing feet first because we said, okay, let's invest in the technology to build it out. Clearly there's an appetite to consume this data. And that was the watershed moment that we decided to go in feet first and bootstrap the efforts of building a, a an MVP. And we did our soft launch, like I mentioned a few months later in January. Well, I mean, I've looked into the background of your, your client list. Your Rolodex is heavy in the Power Five program, and you got even got HBCUs, uh, Jackson State. Uh, you've added Jackson State as 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 a client now. So, um, just congratulations, congratulations to you and everything that you're doing. Um, one more, one more question, just about the company. What's something that you've experienced in in the last, I guess, since since 2019 that you didn't expect? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. The I didn't expect the fan engagement piece to be mm. as big as it is, right? And so people like that, me. <laughs> you have people, you know, people like you. Um I, I I didn't anticipate that. And if you ever study, you know, the world of startups and some of the 
lessons learned and, and, and how startups either fail or succeed. One of the things that that they talk about is just your ability to pivot and being open to pivoting to make sure that you meet demand. And so I didn't anticipate that this data would be um, something that 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 the, the fans had an appetite for. And, you know, our inbox, you know, my inbox and the company's inbox is flooded with DMs. And, and candidly, it bothers me because, frankly, we can't keep up with the demand. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we stay focused and make sure that we deliver on, you know, the needs of our customers, but also at the same time, just pent up demand around making sure that we can disseminate and democratize this, this player tracking data in such a way that consumers can, can access the data. And so that's something that we're, we're working on that we've had to add to our, our roadmap. And then once it was added to our roadmap, now we've got to push up the priority list because again, we're just not, we're not keeping, that's one area that uh, we have a lot of opportunities. We can do a better job of keeping up with the demand. I can't tell you the number of times we get DMs and hey, access this information, you know, et cetera. So we've got some work to do to get there, but that's probably been the biggest surprise thus far. Talking to Corey Yates, the CEO of Recruiting Analytics. You can find him at Corey, R-A Analytics, R-A Analytics on Twitter. Um, I want, let's get into this 2022 recruiting class. Um, I want to start with the running backs. Now, uh, Recruiting Analytics has posted a top 25 ranking for the class. Uh, and if you're listening to this, by the time you're listening to this, uh, Campus to Canton Supplemental Draft Guide, um, providing our own rankings for the freshman class might be available. You can purchase that at campus2can.com. Um, you've provided a, a athleticism score, a production score, and an overall film grade. Can you just talk to me a little bit about what went into those three uh, metrics, those three categories for each for, for to evaluate these players? Absolutely. So when you think about how scouts, player personnel executives evaluate players, it really boils down to two things. Is he an athlete and does he make plays? Plain and simple. And so from a production standpoint, that really gets at whether or not the athlete can can make plays. And so we're integrating those production metrics that matter based on interviewing coaches and getting their feedback on what it is that they look for from a production standpoint. Um, and we integrate that into our model. So you think about running backs, right? You know, obviously the basic box score stats are relevant, you know, things like yards per carry, you know, rushing yards, touchdowns, et cetera, receiving yards in today's game. Right. Uh, which is very different than when, when maybe, you know, when I, when I played in the early nineties, you know, it was just about, you know, getting an eye formation and handing it off. Right. Um, <laughs> but now these, these backs better be versatile, right. You, you better be able to, to not only lower your shoulder and have good pad level, to, to fall forward after contact, but you better be able to make a guy miss in a phone booth. And so that elusiveness is, is a trait that we also bake into our model, but that's more on the player tracking side. So just to kind of wrap up, so you've got the production score, which takes into account advanced performance metrics. And that's primarily mostly box scores, but a little bit more than just the basic box scores. And then more importantly are the athletic metrics that we take into account. And then between the production score, the athleticism, 
athleticism metrics. Um, that score is powered by our tracking technology where we're measuring the movement skills of that running back. Those two scores combined make up the overall score. And that overall score, you know, you can score anywhere from 50 to 100. And depending on where you fall within that spectrum determines how we project you at the next level. And so that's, well, let's that's get, really it. Let's get into some of this candy. I'll just give the top 10, uh, according to recruiting analytics, for the running back position. Quinshawn Judkins headed to Ole Miss. Trevor Etienne headed to Florida. Jadon Blue headed to Texas. Gavin Sawchuck headed to uh, uh, OU. Jamarion Miller, one of my favorite players in the class, headed to Alabama. De'Anthony Gatson headed to Louisiana Tech. Jo- Joseph Amon. Uh, headed to Northwestern, Jalen Glubbard, headed to Utah, Dylan Sampson, headed to Tennessee, and another one of my favorite players in the class, Terrence, uh, uh, Terrence Gibbs, who had an offer from Miami as an eighth grader. Um, any, out of those top, that top 10 or any of the backs in the class, do you have a, a, a player that you've really gravitated toward that you personally like? You know, um, I'm a little biased, the, the Judson, the Judkin kids. And so the other thing, <laughs> You asked me a question earlier, just just one second, when you talked about what what surprised you. You know, when we started doing this um, and we started producing these these scores and these these top twenty five lists, you know, the I, I always talk about, and I'm I'm a believer that when you're evaluating players, it's both an art and a science, right? And our accurate our hit rate is seventy five percent, almost seventy six percent. That tells you that, you know, what we do miss, you know, about a quarter of the time, right, where we may have a player either overvalued or undervalued. So they're, you know, especially when we put out our top list, I go through and I personally look at the film for these guys and I want to see, hey, are our scores kind of matching up with what my what my what my eye test. Right. And so when I saw the Judson Judkin kids rank one, my first reaction was like, really? Like, is he, this this kid that good? And I turned the tape on, and he is that good. I mean, this kid, I think his his ceiling is through the roof athletically. Um, he he scored, you know, he's one of the, the, the most athletic backs amongst our top 25 in that particular class. So that's one of the reasons why he moved up the board, and then the production matched. And so when you turn on the tape for this guy, um, he runs behind his pads, he falls forward um, because he's such a dominant back. Um, the yards after contact is uh, it's there, but it's not, you don't see that a lot on film, but that's just because he's bigger than and bigger, faster and stronger than everybody else. Right. So he's not having to, to run through a lot of people in order to, 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 to be as productive as he was. So what do you do as an evaluator when, when you see that, when you say, hey, we value yards after contact. Can this guy fall forward, you know, for an extra yard or two? Um, he can. When you look at his height, weight, and then his in-game speed, you know, this is one of the kids that we've actually measured his max speed at over 20 miles per hour. So at his size, running over 20, 20 miles per hour, physics physics kicks in, right? And so we're able to say, yeah, you know, based on his height, weight, speed measurables, yeah, this kid, the likelihood that he can take on uh, a tackler and and fall forward is pretty high. So uber athletic, um, highly productive, which is why he was number one on our board. And the film, when you turn it on, 
it corroborates that. So I think he's going to be a player for years to come. Uh, of course, everybody knows the last name of ETN. He was number two on our board. Uh, he's a great back. He's got great vision, um, plays in a little bit of an unorthodox offense in Louisiana, kind of a, a, a wishbone type triple option offense. But his game translates because, you, again, it's less about the scheme for us and it's more about the athleticism. So he scored in, in the elite athleticism space. His overall, just to put it in perspective, so his overall athleticism score, ETN, was 93 um, out of 100. Uh, but his production was like 99. So he was just uber at, uber productive. So those those two guys. And then the Gibbs kid, I'm partial to Gibbs as well, just like you are. I think he has the ability to be, to be special as well. When you look at him, um, another uber athletic. Now, his athleticism score came in at 97.3. So that tells us that his upside potential is going to be extremely high. Now, his production wasn't as what uh, what ETN and, and, and Judkins was. But again, because he's so athletic and the way we weight, because we don't weight all of our metrics the same. They're, they're weighted uh, disproportionately based on the importance of the, of the trait. But we think he's got tremendous potential as well. So those would be the three players that I would keep an eye on. Well, uh, Terrence Gibbs specifically spent his first two seasons, I can't remember the, the high school, um, had an excellent, excellent first two. I mean, freshman year, I believe he ran over for, for 1,400 yards, dominated as a sophomore, um, transferred schools as a junior, injured himself in fall or spring practice, really gruesome knee injury, and then only played three games as a senior, was committed, well, had offers from Texas and Florida. Those were considered the, the top two options ends up going to Georgia Southern. Um, and so he's going to get an opportunity to, to heal up and, uh, and, and perform. He should have an opportunity talking about Trevor Etienne. Uh, it's really a fit there with Billy Napier in Florida. Billy Napier always trying to run the ball, including running, running for over 3,000 yards, um, I think in 2019 and, and has put in Raymond Calais and, uh, Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell into the NFL. Chris Smith has been productive, always has like three guys that, that are, are really productive uh, uh, in his backfield. And so really good fit there for, for Trevor Etienne. Any Nicholas Singleton. Can I ask you about Nicholas Singleton? Because he is campus to Canton's number one back. We have him at a time speed of 22 miles per hour in, in uh, full disclosure. Jadon blue is our number two back. But it's just the physicality, and for our audience, Corey, um, early production matters. And we think that Nicholas Singleton is going to go into Penn State and start from day one or day two the same way Travion Henderson did uh, last year for Ohio for State. Ohio State can, you yeah. Talk, yeah, can you talk to me a little bit about Singleton? And I mean, he's number 12. He's, you don't have him that far. He's number 12 uh, yeah. on your board. But can you talk, talk to me about Singleton? Yeah, you know, I, I think to your point, I think he can go into Penn State and be an early contributor. So the fact that you guys have him rated higher than us makes total sense. Um, I, I think, you know, to put it in perspective, number 12 being number 12 on our board. Heck, if you're in the top 25, um, that's saying that you're, you know, you're in the top decile in terms of, of players in the in the country, knowing that there are over a million high school football players out there. So. But no, it's I, I think he I think you're spot on. I don't think you're you're off the mark there. You know, um, he still scored in the, you know, near the elite athleticism range for us. <clears throat> he was just a tick under 90. 
um, in terms of his overall athleticism for us. But you know what? You know, again, he's one of those guys that fit matters. And if you can get on the field early and you can be productive, the sky's the limit, right? And he's going to get into a program that is known for producing products, right? They've got a, a rich history of being able to develop players. And they're one of the more respected, well-respected programs in that regard. So he's going to be definitely somebody you want to keep an eye on, and, and probably going to get on the on the scene early and do some do some things. We love we love this freshman class. There are so many backs that are two hundred and fifteen pounds plus that have oh, they're very huge. good, they're very huge. good athleticism, and it's just like for 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 Kit for college for a recruiting class to come in in and have you know multiple players over that 210, 215 pound mark is really remarkable. And so you know for the sake of our purposes in campus to Canton leagues, we're really we're we we're really gravitating towards this uh, freshman running back class. But Let me can I can I ask you a quick question? Sure. The, the 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 Gavin Sawchuck kid. What did you think yes. about him? I saw him. So he's a little bit lighter, and uh, I forgot the other running back that OU has coming in. Uh, I can't remember his name. I'm not a. I'm personally not a fan of Sawchuck because he's a little bit lighter. Yes, he is okay. versatile. Yeah. Um, but 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 that's there are six of us six founders at campus to Canton. Matt Bruning is very very high on Sawchuck. Has even interviewed Sawchuck uh, for the company. So um, and that is available I think on YouTube. So if you're listening to this, go find Matt's uh, interview with Gavin Sawchuck. Jamarion Miller though, I, I mean who's who's next on your rankings? You talk about versatility. I think that Jamarion Miller could play wide receiver if he wanted to. Um, I, I have him ranked higher than Emmanuel Henderson, who's the number one ranked running back in the class, according to 24-7 sports. But I've just, I just – I love uh, Jamarion Miller's versatile skill set. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, let's go to the wide receivers. DJ Allen headed to, uh, to TCU. Taylor Shatron headed to uh, Oklahoma State. Noah Thomas headed to Texas A&M. Caden Pope to Mississippi State. Robert Sears Jennings headed to OU. Jaden Marshall headed to UCLA. Uh, Arliss Boardingham, who is not signed yet. or I got to check. I got to double check that. Marcarius White headed to Tennessee. Isaiah Santiga uh, headed to uh-huh. Arkansas. And Anthony Brown headed to Arkansas. Um, any of these players that you want to talk about that you're excited about? Caden Pope is a kid that I think is going to be, you know, he's going to do some things. Caden Pope is, he's got a great body on him. Um, he can get in and out of his breaks pretty, pretty well. And he creates, you know, really good separation. Right. And those are the traits that you look for in terms. So what I look for, for me personally that separation is, is huge mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that we track for receivers is average yards of separation. And uh, that's critically important. The one thing, though, that for high school players, when it comes to that metric, even though for me it's a trait that's critically important, if you're uber athletic and you're one of the better receivers in the country, there aren't a lot of plays where they're having to catch in a tight window because they're just they're – just you know, running by everybody. Um, but for the few plays where they're having it to, you know, catch in a small window, you know, I look for, do they have that, do, do they have the ability to catch in traffic? And this Caden Pope does. There aren't very many clips of him having it to do that just because he was so much of a better athlete than the, the competition. But the few clips where he's having to make a catch in traffic, 
you know, he's plucking the ball out of the air. And, um, and, and the fact that he doesn't have a lot of clips where he's having to make catches in traffic, again, that's an indicator that, you know what, he's, he, he's creating some pretty good separation. So I really like this kid. Um, I think he's got a tremendous upside. And I think he's a name that you need to keep your eye on. You know, I think they project in terms of number of years that they would be a starter on Saturday. But for me personally, you know, there's no reason for me to believe based on his scores and me looking at his film. I think this kid can can go in. I think he's a day, I think he's a day one contributor. Um, and then I think he has an opportunity to be, you know, a two or three year starter for the for the program. So he's a kid that I like. The uh, well, let me let me let's let me touch on Pope here. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I, uh, uh, Corey, and I know you don't know this, but our audience does. We have a podcast every single day uh, for the company, and I don't think that anyone has meant, once mentioned Caden Pope, a three star prospect headed to Mississippi State. I mean, in Mike Leach's system, if if he is this this good a player, he's going to get a lot of opportunity to catch the ball. He's going to get a lot of opportunity to, to catch the ball. Uh, obviously, that that air raid system that uh, that Leach is running. So Caden Pope. Caden Pope is a name that you absolutely have to be paying attention to. Hmm. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, I, I, I uh, intentionally I'm, I don't have a lot of the 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 star ratings committed to memory, so that's good. That I'm glad to hear that he's a three star because we have him ranked pretty high, and we don't take stars into consideration. Every you know every, how we evaluate and rank these players are it's it's objective driven, and. Uh, that's good. You know, this this is good that we go against the grain because that we should be going against the grain when you think about the industry's hit rate versus, you know, um, our hit rate. So there should be players that go against the grain and say, oh, you know what? This guy's not necessarily a four or five star kid. Why? And so um, it'll be this will be a good little case study to keep an eye on uh, over the next couple of years. Corey, is there a way that that your group is defining hit rate for as it pertains to recruits? Absolutely. So the way we can define hit rate is based on two things. One, based on number of games started. Right. Um, And then secondly, we look at we look at snaps. So those are the two things we're kind of looking at to determine whether or not a guy is um, has met expectations. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I cut you off. You were going to go into another player and I want to get all of this information for our. Oh yeah. Yeah. No worries. Uh, so yeah. So I think a player to look at is, is, is Kylie Corden, uh, a player with, with the, with a good body, as they say, not highly recruited. I think Kylie is a three-star now, but when we identified him, zero star athlete, zero offers, but this kid played eight man football in South Carolina, which is part of the reason why he was flying on the radar small city in South Carolina. They're not even big. The school, the high school wasn't even big enough to field an 11 man team. So that kid is a multi-sport athlete, plays basketball. Um, I believe he runs track. Don't quote me on that piece, but uber athletic. Uh, He jumps off the film, even though he's playing eight man football. Um, You can see the burst and the acceleration. And again, this kid was one of the kids that bubbled up when we were doing work with Jackson state and helping them find got, you know, players at this particular position. So when this kid, when his scores uh, were presented to me, I'm like, wait a minute, I said, I've never heard of this kid. So again, 
pressure test it and put my eyes on it and go, holy cow, like this kid is the real deal. And uh, University of South Carolina jumped on him and they were wise to do so. They were one of the they're an early adopter of our technology and our data. They are one of the programs we were working with as early as 2020. So, um, you know, it was humbling that they recognized his his ability. And I think he's going to be a player to kind of keep an eye on. I, I wouldn't necessarily project him to be like a day one starter or even a contributor candidly, uh, just because he's going from eight man football to the SEC. <laughs> and so I think I think probably realistically, um, he may need a year or two to develop and kind of get used to the speed and physicality of the game. And then I think once that happens, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. You've given us so much. Uh, you've given us, you know, a, a bunch of players and names that are not being thrown out there uh, that we need to go pay attention to. Um, any any other players at the wide receiver position that you want to th- throw out there before we get you out of here? Uh, you know, I think uh, I talked about the Horton kid. I think he's he's definitely one. Um, the Boardingham kid we have ranked pretty high as well. You know, uh, Noah Thomas out of Clear Springs, Texas. He's the most athletic guy that we have on the board. Um, he had an athleticism score of 99. So I think that's going to translate extremely well. Another kid that scored highly athletically, uh, Malion Winfield out of Skyline High School in Texas. His athleticism score came in at a 98. So I think those two scores, those two players from an athleticism, a raw athleticism standpoint, really bodes well. And I, I'd keep an eye on those guys as well. Corey, what would be your advice for um, anyone considering a startup? To be open-minded to, and when I say open-minded, I talked about having the uh, fortitude to be agility, to be agile and pivot when need be. So oftentimes in the startup world, you have a vision of where you want to take your company. And sometimes that vision doesn't necessarily align with the market demand. And you can't, you can't, uh, you can't uh, be too prideful and say, "Well, I'm not going to listen to the demand. I'm just going to continue to do, put my head down and and try to pave the way and, and go down a certain path." And so, I would say, you know, got to have a passion number one for what you're doing. You've got to have thick skin number two, because you're going to hear a lot of no's. And number three, you have to ha- you have to be agile and pivot when you have signals that suggest that you should pivot. Corey Yates is the co-founder and CEO of Recruiting Analytics. Uh, Recruiting Analytics, you can find them on Twitter at RA Analytics. You can visit the website at recruiting-analytics.com. Corey, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I didn't keep quiet, maneuver in science, then let them in chalk up their body, another one body, that's just how it go. I got some secrets, I'm shaking the game so they stay on their toes. Stay in your lane, I to stay on the go. I came to play with the pros and act like a rookie so they overlook me, then not double up again, none of their nose, none of them cold. They just got lucky but never adapted, so I'm to the one if it's coming to blows. My enemies cutting it. That's it, so I'll cut it up.
and uh, you know it'll be all good. I appreciate you coming on. It, you're, you know, I, I, there's people that I've wanted to talk to, and I'm like, why don't I just reach out and talk to them and see yeah. if they'll, they'll come on with it. So, yeah, I love it. I, I got thanks for having me. I got uh, Kevin Mathis. Was he your your former teammate? Kevin Mathis, the former Atlanta Falcon and Dallas Cowboy, played with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, who also coached with Deion Sanders at Trinity Christian, also coached uh, at Deion Sanders' prime prep uh, high school, and is now the defensive backs coach, coaching Travis Hunter at one Jackson State. University. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Former okay. teammate. Former teammate. Uh, best friend. So he and I went to, uh, we started, played at the same time. It's funny because when we got, when we got to commerce in 92, he and I were the same size. I tell this story all the time because it's true. Um, he and I were the same size. So we both came in at our size. I'm five, seven. Um, Trust me. I thought I was 5'8 until I got the real measurement, but I'm 5'7 and he's like an inch taller than me. Uh, well, at the time, like he actually grew a little more in college. But anyway, we were essentially the same size. So I was, we were both both listed at 5'8 at the time. We were both list, listed at 5'8. We were both I'm curious. hand clocked at a 4'5'4. That was a 4'5'4. He was a 4'5'2. Okay, our true freshman year. By the time we finished school, he had grew like another inch and a half. You know, picked up like 15 pounds. By the way, we weighed in at 144, both of us. So nearly identical uh, measurables coming in as freshmen. By the time we left, he was running a 4-3, legitimate 4-3. He was one, probably 185-ish, and, you know, 5'9". I finished my career 5'8". 165 was the most I'd ever weighed, and I'd actually gotten slower because I'd added that weight, right? I'd added about 20 pounds, Um, but I didn't get any faster. I got a little bit slower, like 4'7"-ish. And the reason being was simple. After we finished our freshman year of college, there was a player by the name of Eric Eric Turner, who was a cornerback. He was 6'1", 185, started all four years, was a two-time All-American, and uh, ended up going UDFA for, for the Miami Dolphins. He got cut in two weeks. I need to know everything. Who in the what? And when that happened, for me, my mind went from, hey, I want to go play in the NFL, to, oh shit, I better get my degree and make plans to have a career and do something else, right? Because this kid, he was, for Kevin and I, he, we idolized this kid. We were like, man, ET's the best back we've ever seen in our lives. So when he got cut in two weeks, and we, I looked up like, wow, I don't have that. I don't have, I don't have that ability. And if I don't have that ability, I better have another game plan. So I went down the path and said, you know what? I'm just going to focus on making sure I graduate and and get a good degree. Yada yada yada. And candidly, I, I didn't put in the extra work anymore because I'm like NFL is probably not a realistic goal for me. Kevin, on the other hand, leaned nine into years, that nine years in the NFL, huh? Nine years, nine years in the yep. NFL. Kevin, on the other hand, 
Shane, because we were both business majors too. Kevin, on the other hand, saw that and said, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to turn it up a notch. If I'm gonna make it, I need to be faster. I need to get bigger. I need to get stronger." He dropped his major, majored in kinesiology, and the reason why he did that is because it freed up more time for him to put in extra work. So when I would go to the library, he would go to the gym. When I would go to class, I'm probably telling too much. We're not live, are we? No, none of this is is, right. is live. I, for this, if you don't want this included, I tend to incl- include these types of stories, like as a tag on the end of the the interview. Sure. Okay, that plays under music. So, but you know, just so it's just recording. But none of this is live. When so when he so 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 when 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 I would go to class, he may or may not go to class. He may go to the track. And so, I think the statute of limitations says well passed on on the. On the <laughs> So the point being is that he had a goal and I had a goal. They were very different goals, but we both went on to have, you know, I would say humbly saying, you know, relatively respective careers in the path that we chose. Right. And and it was really all anchored around hard work. Right. He decided, hey, you know what? I've got to put in I've got to work harder because the odds of me making it in the NFL are that much lower. And then coming from a state school, right? East Texas State is not known for its academic prowess, right? It's not an Ivy League program. But, you know, one of the things that one of my professors told me that resonated and still resonates today was he instilled in us. He's like, hey, your degree is just as good as a Princeton degree or a Harvard degree. And at the time, I didn't know why he was saying that. I didn't get it. Uh, but then as I got older, then I started to realize once I got in corporate America and I looked to the left and I looked to the right of me and I'm doing the same thing that these Ivy League education guys are doing with the state school. And they're like, where, where did you go to school? It's like, East Texas State. Like, is that is that is that an accredited school? <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah. But you know, it's it it, it just boils down to um, how you press and lean into the opportunity. You know, given your circumstances, how do you maximize your circumstances? And uh, you know, where you come from is not a limitation. Do you think that people are surprised when they hear recruiting analytics, dat- data scientists? Um, are, are they surprised that that the head of that company is someone that looks like you? Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, that that yeah, I mean, they the one of the things I mean, because that, we know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a black man in corporate corporate America also. And so you talk about looking to the left and looking to the right of you. There's just not, you know, a lot of folks that look like us. So I just. Yeah, just no, yeah, 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 no, it, it, yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's certainly a surprise. Right. I mean, and, and so that's one of the things that we have to overcome from a credibility standpoint is, you know, a we're not data scientists. Right. And then B. When you think about analytics, we're not the face that you think of. The good thing, the good thing for us, though, is that the face hasn't been established 
for a long time because it's still relatively new in the space, right? So we're not having to overcome an entrenched image of what, like you think about the NFL, right? You think about the offensive, the bright offensive mind, right? And, and, and so we automatically have a face of what that looks like because that's been pressed into our minds through the, through the media for so long that there's a there's a bias there in terms of what that looks like for us fortunately it hasn't been that way analytics in the football space hasn't been out there for as long as possible as long as it is and it hasn't hit mainstream media as much so the face of the imagery of what you know analytics or you know looks like from an nfl standpoint hasn't really been established for a long time so but yeah certainly surprised you're and creating then, the image you're creating the image yourself. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're creating the image right and so certainly surprised um lots lots of questions about the um the tech but you know that the real question is is did you and it's funny because sometimes they're really they want to ask but they're not sure if they should ask some have the gall not shouldn't say the gall it's it's a legitimate question but the question where you can hear some of the like did you guys qualify no did, did you guys develop this like did you did you guys do this in-house? Right. So when you get that question, you know that that's kind of in the back of their mind. And um, but, you know, look, and, and, and now some of the some of the questions, it, it's all it all depends on who's asking the question. Right. If it's if it's, you know, if it's a defensive coordinator, like you don't you don't really need to know whether or not if I developed it or if we hired somebody to develop it. Right. So like it's context matters. But if you're if you're the head of the uh, science, you know, data scientist department for a university or NFL program, you know, that's a respectable question. Um, or if you're a potential investor, certainly if you're a potential investor, that's a that's a legitimate question. Right. Hey, are you is this in-house or are you outsourcing? Sure. This, right. Sure. So we have to, you know, context matters. But if again, if you're a defensive coordinator, if you're a quarterback coach, doesn't matter whether or not we're developing it. What's what's next for you guys? You know, we're gonna we're gonna continue to build out um, the technology in terms of optimizing the automation of it. Right now, it's semi-automated, which uh, doesn't put us at a competitive disadvantage. But it's just going to allow us to create further gap between us and the competition and allow us to scale in terms of being able to process more players in a shorter period of time. So we want to reduce our our processing time by 50 percent with this with this optimization and then building out a sales team. So the traction we've gotten so far has been all pull and it's been organic pull. It's been driven primarily through social media. We have a meeting with the Rams on next on the 8th, whatever the 8th is, whatever that day is. And that was not as a result of us, you know, reaching out and, 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 and cold calling and prospecting. So we haven't done a good job of two things um, and it falls on my shoulder one we haven't done a good job of having a plan to satisfy the demand for just consumer consumption and then we haven't done a good job of outreach in terms of demand generation all of our traction has been as a result of pull so the industry is just ripe for it um and so with this the, you know with the funds that we were able to to to, to secure last night 
yeah. we're going to build out a sales team to really start getting out there and and driving some sales in a meaningful way. Well, well, I'm cheering for you. We're cheering for you. Um, we're and more than that, we're paying attention to the product that you're producing. So much, uh, much just, appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate having you on, man. Thanks a lot, buddy.